My Callful Nana is focused on the concept of generous thinking and revealing the importance of identity formation through the lens of black hair. Explore these findings and more at mycallfulnana.com. Feel free to hit subscribe and consider following us on Instagram and Twitter at mycallfulnana. Thanks for listening. What I'm currently realizing is that in today's world, we're often bombarded with information and forced to consider what deserves my attention, sympathy, empathy, money, and time. What I'm realizing is what we think might be able to heal the world might not be what the world needs. So why are we talking about something that seems as myopic as black hair? Well. My name is Lauren Stockman-Brown. I am the founder of My Callful Nana, and I believe that a conversation on a topic as simple as hair can provide the ideal framework, language, and analytical evidence that the world needs to understand why we are the way we are. Nervous. Are you actually nervous? No. No, you're actually nervous. It's good. It's good to be nervous. That makes yeah. me like excited. <laughs> yeah. It makes me excited. It means like, okay, like we're doing something kind of legit. Yeah, here. I don't like it. If it's, it's formal like this. Yeah. Oh, it's getting serious. Okay. So good. Anyway. I'm nervous. So I'm very excited to be here with you. Um, we're going to just jump right in. Is that okay? Um, amazing. My name is Mamadou Bodian, and I am born and raised in Gigenshot in southern Senegal. Uh, I am Senegalese and I am Jola, so that's my ethnic group. Amazing. So Jola is one of the dominant ethnic group in southern Senegal, mm-hmm. uh, even though uh, Wolof is the most spoken language in the region. So how many languages do you speak? Well, a few. Uh, Jola and Wolof. Five. I have five coming <laughs> in my head. <laughs> Spanish and a little bit of English. So maybe six. A little bit of English. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely fluent English, but yes. So about six languages. Well, yeah, something like that. Wow. <clears throat> Amazing. Um, and what is your occupation? Uh, I am a researcher. Uh, that's what I've been doing over the last 10 years. Uh, first as a research assistant at the University of Florida, where I did my PhD in political science. And then uh, after I graduated, I moved to Senegal for two years to run a project on religion Mm. and uh, social dynamics in sub-Saharan Africa. And the project covers six West African countries, including Senegal, Niger, Mali, Burkina, mm. Chad, and Mauritania. Wow. And then later on, I moved to Sweden uh, mm. to join the West African team as a researcher at the okay. Stockholm International Peace Research Institute. So what brought you to academia and researching uh, to begin with? Well, I'm very passionate about research. Uh, and... Uh, since I was a student, uh, I used to write papers and try to, you know, get involved in any initiative uh, requiring some kind of thought, uh, mm. knowledge production. Mm. Uh, and I, I saw you did work too with um, 
for student activism? Right? Yes, that's my, it was my, I was fascinated by what is happening in Sahelian universities because I used mm -hmm. to be a student activist. Uh, I was a leader of the student movement and, uh, and I've been driven by the idea of justice. Mm -hmm. And as you know, our universities are not endowed with all the necessary things we have in mm -hmm. many Western universities. So basically, the school is not this space where knowledge is democratized and, you know, and some people are disadvantaged because the state doesn't put means mm. and create conditions that allows people to, to evolve intellectually. Mm. So we, we, we stood um, um, uh, for, you know, the improvement of students' conditions, mm -hmm. uh, making sure that we have enough, you know, classes, buildings, Mm -hmm. that the state hire more faculty, uh, but also reform the educational curriculum mm -hmm. in a way that makes students uh, more inclined to, let's say, uh, be competitive uh, mm -hmm. at the international level because uh, some of the knowledge we receive here is outdated because we don't have enough books. So all these uh, oh, conditions mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, 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 we, we, we couldn't just let this go, and that's one of the reasons we, why we get involved. And, uh, but later on, it, this, become, this engagement became also uh, something fascinating, mm. intellectually speaking, because uh, I saw also transformations happening at the university level. Wow. And later on, I decided to, to investigate more the issue of student activism and tied to another phenomenon that was uh, growing its religious influence. Mm. Uh, and, and I realized that many universities in the Sahel, but Shantan University in particular, which was dominated by secular ideologies back in the Interesting. 70s, Interesting. became the realm of expression of religious identities, okay, which so, almost mm, took over uh, yeah. this space. On this conversation of identity, I feel like where we are today, it's so easy to get lost in the various issues that are on the media or when you walk outside, um, it's hard to focus on one topic. Why do you think this conversation on identity um, was something that you found valuable to focus on in um, a social activism lens? Well, I think it's very important because identity is fundamental in the quest for uh, what it means to be a human, but also to give yourself a perspective in life. Uh, not because we need to think about identity as something we can essentialize. But I think it's a very important marker that allows us to 
ink ourselves in a strong belief from where we can stand up and give sense of our, our, our life, uh, mm. everything we do. So we give it a meaning. It's always important, but identity shouldn't close us to uh, and isolate, isolate us from other people because knowing others is also a way of knowing yourself because you can only compare yourself, to, you know, m mirror yourself through others. So, and this issue of identity is very important because I come from southern Senegal, which is one of the region affected by rebellion. So we grew up in this context mm -hmm. where the conflict created a lot of uh, consequences and my family was affected uh, directly because my, I used to spend my holidays in a village uh, at the border between Senegal and, and Guinea-Bissau. And in 1991, uh, the army, because of you know, the conflict, uh, made a sort of incursion, and many people were, were killed. And this is a, a collateral damage of the conflict. And my family, part of my family, fled and went to find refuge in Guinea-Bissau. And my mom, you know, including my two brothers, and my mom went to look for them for almost six months. Wow. And was able to find them in a small village in Guinea-Bissau. So that's, this experience sparked my involvement in the peace uh, process in mm -hmm. Casamance, and I've been involved as a student with other student organizations in, in the peace process, but also giving public uh, talks here at the university, but also in, in Casamance, which is the southern region of Senegal. Mm. Uh, and in 2009, I remember when the conflict resumed, the president, Abdullah Awad, wanted us to, to speak on behalf of young people from Casamance. Uh, Interesting. Uh, but I, I, I declined at that time because there was a lot of politics involved mm -hmm. and, uh, and my mom didn't want me to get involved in that because of this past memory of uh, the violence that she also experienced. Mm. Uh, but I thought, I think that it's, it's very important, this issue of identity. Uh, but at the same time, uh, locking yourself and isolating yourself from the others can sometimes be uh, detrimental to the way you express your identity because, Interesting. Uh, I, and I remember when I was a kid, I used to accuse others for being responsible of my fate, for the killing of many people that I know when I was a kid. Mm. But later on, I realized that people from Casamas do not have the monopoly of you know, um, blame or yeah, blame, uh, uh, but also the consequences of this conflict as are also uh, felt by any other Senegalese people. The conflict, a conflict, can sometimes turn uh, a society 
which is where people are meant to live together, we can turn them apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's very important at some point to, even if you don't forget, but at least to forgive. Mm. And that's how you reconcile with yourself and with the others. Mm. And this is something very important. Interesting. I want to come back to this idea of reconciliation. Um, Is it okay if I move to the topic of black hair? Okay. Um, So I know we've discussed this briefly. I remember I came into your office and I asked you, I said, so Michael Fanana, we're finally here. We're in Senegal. Um, how can I make this relevant? Is it relevant? What are the conversations going on here about black hair? Um, and your response made me laugh and it made me smile. And it's one that I've been getting um, a lot as I'm trying to grow this work. Um, but I'd love for you to share your initial reaction to learning that learning about my colorful nana as a topic that focuses on black hair um, and then me wanting to take it into the PhD route? Well, I think uh, identity can be defined in, a, in, a diff- in different ways. Mm-hmm. Well, it can be uh, a racial identity, it can be a religious identity, but it can be also identity tied to a specific marker like hair. It can be trivial, but I think it's not. Because if you look at what happened in everyday life, how people behave and how they they take care of their hair, whether they, you know, they try to hide their hair, like all these women who put, you know, scarf, or someone who just curly his hair, or, mm-hmm. you know, being in dreadlocks, all these ways of creating a relationship with your hair can have also a consequence on how other people see you. Other people, you know, mm. uh, they can see you as a brother or a sister, mm. by, but also they can see you as someone else. You know, they can start othering uh, because you are different. Mm. Uh, because your hair can have a, a certain color, you can twist it in a certain way, or you can shave it in a certain way. So all these create some sort of subcultures that also draw some kind of lines between those who think that they belong to this particular culture and others who think that this is not appropriate or this is fascinating, or this is mm. alien. Yeah. And I think the way we categorize people depending on their hairstyle mm-hmm. can also be a way of uh, creating either stereotypes or factors of cohesion depending on whether you identify yourself with this group or not. Mm. And the same applies to any kind of identity. But I think the most important is to be positive about uh, someone who looks different, mm. but also try not to be negative about him or about her, but try to learn and try to get the best of him or her 
and, and that's how we, 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 we cultivate this idea of belonging to a common humanity. Interesting. To this, to this concept of a common humanity, I feel like the conversation uh, prior or right after we started talking about black hair was a concept of listil. Um, and I remember I had to come to you because here in Senegal, um, I was often being approached and people would say, j'aime ton style, which is I like your style. And initially I thought it was, okay, you like my fashion sense, like that's cool, like I know it's different too, but it kept coming up. So I wanted to know what, what was that and why did it matter? What did it spark? Um, it just felt like it meant more. Um, and I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on Listeel in relation to embodying an identity, embodying a community, and what this all-encompassing word of Listeel represents uh, in French versus English. Well, you know, Listeel, or j'aime ton style, is very common in Senegal, and people sometimes used to compliment someone who dresses in a certain way. Uh, but I think it's, it's beyond the dress. It's beyond, uh, you know, your, your way of speaking. And I think it's, it's, it's all of it. Mm. It's your, the way you speak, the way you're dressed, the way you behave. So, still is something encompassing, as you say. And, uh, and if you look at, for example, here in Senegal, we do have a community affiliated with the Sufi, one Sufi Brotherhood, the Baifal, the Murid Brotherhood. They, they have a different uh, lifestyle. It's not necessarily the way they dress, but it's also the way they, the, the way they, 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 their hairstyle also is part of this teal. So come on, that's pretty cool. That's yes. a, that's a so it's a it's a connection. It's a kind of it's 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 a whole. It's not it's not a part. So and I think we have to, to, to think about ton still in a holistic way, right? Because it includes the way you're dressed, the way. Your hairstyle also is part of, le still the way you speak, the way you you walk. So what do you think, I see your eyes are kind of lighting up with that too, what do you think is the significance that there's no direct English translation um, when you say Well, I think it would just mean I like your essence, who you are. If I, if I have to look, at, look for a word that may summarize or synthesize this till it's your essence. you know, the person I think you are, which also is reflected into how you behave, and how you talk, how you walk, you smile. So something I'm interested in as I'm living here is trying to understand identity formation. Um, but also in a, in a linguistic sense. Like I find it difficult <laughs> when I'm speaking French, I would say I'm, I'm comfortable in it, but it's, it's hard to use the same mannerisms. 
Um, so it's interesting how linguistically people pick up different mannerisms when they're speaking in different languages. And I'm wondering how you think if academia or scholars or just people in general spent more time trying to understand the different words used in different languages, do you think this would better our understanding of identity formation as a whole? I think so, uh, because we, we don't think out of the blue. We also always think uh, by drawing from our background experience, mm -hmm. our background knowledge, our culture. So we don't think in a vacuum. And we always name things because they seem familiar, because we've been naming them, we've been touching them, we, we can sense them. Mm -hmm. And I think all this also play a very important when it's come to thinking about your identity. Uh, but identity formation is always in relation to something else, you know, who you think you are and where do you belong and how this also provides with, you know, a sense of meaning, it provides with a sense of belonging. Mm. Uh, because if you say, well, I'm a Jola, so it also implies that I belong to a particular culture, which is also part of a particular region in a country, in a continent. Mm. So we can just move from one way of thinking about our identity to another. So if I'm in Casamance, if you ask me, can you tell me about your identity? I will probably refer to my my family or my ethnic mm. identity. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, while when I, I'm in the US, so if you ask me, I would say I'm African or I'm Senegalese. Yeah, then yeah. my ethnic identity is some, sometimes downplayed. Yeah. And I just, you know, because that's how I differentiate, not differentiate, but I think I, that's how I, I, I see myself in relation to in that others, context. In that context. So context is also very important when it's come mm -hmm. to shaping the way you think about your identity. Mm -hmm. So can you speak a little bit more about that, your experience? Um, I know you said you lived in Switzerland and you lived in sorry, Sweden mm -hmm. um, and you lived in America for a bit of time for school. I know you went to the University of Florida. Um, can you speak on what it was like to kind of come into your blackness in that contextual space? Uh, well, if as someone who, who grew up in Senegal, and I think blackness uh, is something I don't think of or think about because it's something common. Mm. That's something I share with many Senegalese people. So, and it's whiteness, which is the exception, but blackness become, become the rule because I, mm. that's the environment, that's the context. Uh, but when I moved to the U.S., it was a little bit different because I was in, in the South, um, in Florida, even though the university is uh, characterized by this multiculturality, culturality, mm -hmm. but also many people living together. We do have many international students, Indian, Africans, African Americans, but also white people. And I think uh, that's where you start realizing 
this diversity uh, and and you know and you also notice that well some people are different uh, mm-hmm. because beyond uh, the fact that you know you can share the same you know skin color uh, the way you express yourself is also carry you know carry all ton your ton still c'est différent so so it's, if you see an african yeah So le, le boubou, for example, I used to put a boubou like this. What's a boubou? What's a, it's kind of this style. Amazing. Okay, so cool, cool. Okay, cool. Yes. How would you describe this? Um, well, it's a, it's an African style. Clothes. Cool. Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to define it's it. It's a cool but, blue. Well, it's, yeah, it's a cool <laughs> blue. You know. Uh, Amazing. So you, you used to button it up tightly when you... Like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of very simple. But I do have also... Uh, the, you know, dress, you know, style that also reminds people who know Africa uh, that this is not from here, right? Mm, mm-hmm. So it's my color, it's the way I dress. But if I speak, people know that I have an accent. So I'm not from the U.S., of course. And they mm. will start asking me, where are you from? Well, I'm from Africa, of course but we're in Africa, and then you start thinking about narrowing down. What is that like for you? Uh, well, I think it's... Uh, I take it positively because I think that people want to know when something is different, especially when you are positive about it, when you're not in a... If you're not judgmental about it, mm-hmm. you know, at, if you don't start saying this is good or bad, but... Mm. when the, the difference sparks your curiosity and you want to know more about who this person is, what can I learn from him? And I think that's how you start thinking positively, uh, but also trying to learn something from someone you think is different. Mm. So when people ask me, where are you from? Um, I'm, I'm very eager and happy to tell them where I'm from. And what my country looks like, what people in my country looks like, because that's how... That's interesting. I also bring something, you know, valuable to the conversation, but also trying to show people that what is, ha- what is happening in my country is not mm-hmm. really different from what is happening here, because we have people yeah. who love, who hate, who yeah. eats, who also have you know, consents like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also emphasize the fact that Senegal is an exception within a, a region characterized by violence So because we have something very important, which is social cohesion. So I also emphasize those values mm-hmm. that we have that also are, that I think are also a very positive value that we can share with the rest of the humanity. Mm-hmm. So, and it, I think it's very important to... to to talk about yourself, to talk about your place of origin in relation to uh, other places and other people and Mm. and then be open to them in a way that helps them understand better Mm. who you are, even though it will be sometimes difficult to... (laughs) To summarize it. To summarize it. Yes. And it's so interesting to hear you say that because I feel like in America, that question of where are you from is a point of contention. It's not necessarily something that brings you joy. 
um, if you're asking this, let's say, to a black American person, because there's that lack of knowing in history. There's that lack of evidence in your identity. Um, what do you think of that as an African uh, person, especially stepping into that space in America? Well, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't take it um, as, a posit- as a negative thing, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe it's because I, uh, I know that I'm not from the US, yeah. maybe. So it, it, it's not a big of a deal, right? Yeah, it's almost like a different... It, it's a, so I'm different. aware of that. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of that. So it's different from an African-American who is born and raised and, you know, if you ask him this question, it, it, it may be, you know, different from asking the same question to someone mm. who is alien. Yeah. Uh, and so I, 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 I usually see uh, this question or as a, as a, something that naturally comes from an encounter. So you encounter someone, uh, you see something that it, that is different, that is not common, at least from mm. your, your universe, your, yes. your environment, and you try to know more. Yes. Uh, and I remember one day I was, I, you know, because the Eid is kind of the, one of the, 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 the biggest celebration uh, in the Muslim, for the Muslim community, the Eid, so that's where mm-hmm. we, we make sacrifices, you know. And I went to the, the prayer, but I was dressed in an African-style mm. uh, dress, and someone saw me, and he thought I was going to a festival, but he wanted to know <laughs> what that festival was. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, and even the word festival has a, a particular connotation, yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's how he thinks that people dress when they go to something, you know, because maybe he has never seen uh, this kind of dress, but this is how we, dr- we dress up when we go to something official, right, yeah, in yeah, Africa. Of mm-hmm. So, but, but I take time to explain uh, to him that this is how we, we dress when we go to the prayer on this specific occasion, mm. and then I start explaining what this prayer means, and so on and so forth. So, and you open his eyes and you broaden his horizon and, and at least help him know that, oh, this is different, but it has a different meaning, but it's not something you should see as negative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think this kind of conversation also open uh, people's eyes, but also uh, change the, the perception, but also the perspective they have on you. And the world you come from. And the way you view yourself. Absolutely. So you talked about this a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, what is the importance from a sociological perspective? Mm-hmm. What is the importance of storytelling um, and studying cultural expression and identity, specifically through an artistic lens? Hmm. Uh, well, I think it's, uh, it, 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 it connotates uh, creativity. Um, uh, because if you look at, for example, how... <clears throat> all these 
um, activities aimed to bring people to express themselves in a particular way, especially in an artistic manner, are becoming more and more uh, important in our in our landscape. Uh, it can be through music, uh, but it can be through art. It can be through dance. All these are a way of expressing your culture, your identity at some point. And I think the diversity of different artistic expression is also a reflection of the difference in people's culture. Uh, the way people from northern Senegal dance is different from the way people in southern Senegal dance. Because when we dance in southern Senegal, we just move from, you know, we go down. Mm. Uh, while in people in northern Senegal, when they dance, they go you know, like someone who was trying to go in the sky. So you see these wow, differences. Wow, that's interesting. These differences are, are ways of expressing your mm. cultural identity through artistic expression. Uh, there is also many other ways, you know, even the way people dress, kind of the style, uh, like the like, style vestimentaire. The style yeah. through clothing through clothing is also another way uh, of uh, showing the difference. Uh, but the difference is also, uh, you know, in, a, in, in the context of Senegal, it's uh, also a way of celebrating diversity mm. uh, because you also find different artistic expression that borrow from different uh, culture then create something new, mm -hmm. so that's why creativity uh, comes in. Because it shows that there is always possibilities to to bring people together, at least to borrow one way of expressing uh, cultural identity through art and create something new. It's a sort of brassage. It's kind of a mixture or a merge mm -hmm. of two different things to and create something innovative, something new out of it. Mm. Uh, so, and this is, this applies to dance, uh, mm. dancing, mm -hmm. clothing, uh, music. Hair. Hair. Oh, yeah. Mm. Okay, my last question for you, and I really appreciate you being here. Um, so we have this concept called a generous thinker for Michael Planana. Um, I had a professor once who said, you know, you think very generously. And I was like, that, that's a cool word. Um, how would you define a generous thinker? Well, I think a generous thinker can be defined as uh, someone who try to see the positive side of things. Mm and who also try to, to be open to new ideas, mm -hmm. uh, but also think in a way that make it possible for people to become more engaged in bringing positive change. Mm -hmm. uh, so which means that 
it's not a, a sort of deconstructing all the time. But of course, it can involve some critical thinking when progress of the humanity is at stake. Mm. Uh, but I think general thinking is also uh, thinking in a way that creates spaces for people to express themselves uh, in a way that allows them to participate uh, in uh, something greater than our, ourselves. Mm. Um, is there anything else that you think would be valuable to share? Or I thought that this was great. Well, I, I think this is great too. Um, uh, talking about culture and identity. Uh, and, and I want to thank you also for having me in your... Of course. Show. This is very... It's interesting in the sense that it also allowed me to think, to think about myself and uh, what I feel, what I think. It's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. I love it. Yeah. Um, okay, my last, last question. <laughs> um, just I wish I asked it to you sooner, but what is your relationship to your hair? Uh, well, I think, well, it's... Uh, I, I, I love my hair. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, I, I used to tell this story. Um, maybe not my relationship with my hair, but how people see my hair. And I had this, this experience when I was in Sweden. Uh, we, was, we were just walking uh, in a park. Mm. Uh, and I was sitting. And there was a few kids, you know, running around. Mm. And one of them just came in, you know, touch my hair yeah. uh, and I think it was her mom was you know it was yeah. a little bit come here <laughs> yes come here you know just come there and say well no that's okay uh, I don't know that's okay mm. uh, and then I turned to her and I said what do you feel I said she said it's different <laughs> mm. um, and I think it's uh, she's experiencing difference through her because she realized that not only my hairs are different from hers, mm. but even when touching, you can feel that difference. Textural difference. Yes. Interesting. Uh, and uh, and, it, and it, it reminds us of you know all the difference. How big the world is. The world, exactly. So, and, and difference mm. is unnecessarily a barrier uh, to. Interacting with others. Difference is not necessarily a barrier when interacting with others. I love it. <laughs> Professor, thank you. <laughs> Doc, you prefer doctor than professor? Uh, I'm not a professor yet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Doctor. <laughs> doctor. I could be, I feel like a student. <laughs> okay, doctor. Okay. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Oh, okay, awesome. This is great.